Hey, a couple of things before we jump right in here. Um, first off, that was amazing worship. Thank you guys so much. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, you know, one of the things that Jen and I have been talking about as we go into, you know, the coming year, um, we have a lot of people in our, in our church who pray. We pray as a staff, and but we were talking about a group of people who may be interested, um, I don't care, starting next week, who would come in the morning, maybe for one service or uh, maybe one group for one service, one group for another service, and just go in the, one of these rooms. We'll give you a room and just pray. That's what you do the whole entire service. I mean, you pray and then you come to the next service. We don't want you skipping out of service going to church. Um, but we need prayer warriors who are going to pray for our church, going to pray for the people of our church, the staff of our church, the people in our community. Um, pray, pe- pray that people would come to know Christ and um, pray the Holy Spirit would move in the service. Just pray. I mean, if you can, t- you can talk about all the other cool things you do as a church and all you know, things you do in the community. But the most important thing we could ever do is just spend time with God in prayer. So if you're a prayer a warrior and you think that's something you'd enjoy doing, you know, connect with me or connect with Jen. We're going to start, um, start that uh, this coming year where we have people just here on the campus who are praying. And then you'll know that there are people that are just praying for you um, during the services that you're here. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, I know he had, uh, Adam had mentioned uh, the live and silent auction. I just want to mention it again if you came in a little bit late. Um, That's this coming Wednesday. This really supports the people who are investing in your children and your students. These people raise their own support. This is our way as a church of saying thank you. So if you are free um, this coming Wednesday night, uh, please be a part of this. It's like like going Christmas shopping early, okay? So come here. Chick-fil-A is going to kind of cater it for us. So come here. They have to know who's coming, though. So go go online and sign up or let us know in the office. Um, but we want, you, we want you to be here because we want you to support that team of people who are working so hard to invest in the lives of, of your kids. The other thing is we don't pass the offering plate around, but we do obviously need resources. We need your tithe to continue to move forward as a church. The tithe boxes are here and here, over here. But, you know, again, another way that you can tithe is just, you know, coming next, this coming Wednesday and investing in the lives of the people who put so much energy and time into the church. So those are a couple of things I just wanted to share with you before we get started. Let me pray real quick. God, thank you for this awesome, awesome time you've given to us. And God, we are going to pause just for a moment and expect you to do something miraculous in this service. So we're asking you, Lord God, each one of us, that you would do something miraculous in our lives, that you would speak to us in a way that moves us, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would truly, truly change us. That we'd leave here with a different attitude, a different heart, with a different mindset, whatever it may be, Lord God, but you do a miracle in each one of our lives. And we pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Okay, so last week we started the first part of this sermon, part one of this sermon. And, uh, and we said, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we, you and I are followers of Jesus Christ, that we need to have zeal. We need to have a zeal. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, it reminds us of this. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. Okay? Work at it with all of your heart 
as working for the Lord and not for human masters or not for men. So whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart, whether it's on the field, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's here, doesn't matter. Whatever you choose to do with your life, all areas of your life, you need to work at it with all of your heart as serving the Lord and not serving men. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul uses the word heart. In other translations, it, it's, it's, the word is used heartily, heartily. And that what heartily means literally means from the soul, from the soul. We said that it, it, we are, it, it, most people in this room, I would say almost everyone, we are, we are passionate or zealous about something in our lives. We're, you know, there's always something that we're passionate, passionate or zealous about. It could be your relationships, right? You're, you're zealous about your relationship or your relationships with people. Maybe, maybe you're zealous, you're passionate about your car. You just love your car, right? You love your car. Maybe it's you're passionate about your sports, Eight and no, I'm kind of passionate right now about my sports. Yeah, come on. Who day? <laughs> you, always get, you, you don't get an amen, but you get a who day, right? It's like, you know, <laughs> we're passionate about our hobbies. We're passionate about a lot of different things. We're passionate about our work and our desire to move forward, to move up in our work. We're so passionate about so many things. Last week, we talked about the fact that, that, you will find the time, the energy, or the resources to do what you're passionate about, right? You will find the time. If you're passionate about something, you'll find the time. You will find the energy. You will find the money to do what you're passionate about. The real question is, are we passionate about what is most important, that what should be most important in our lives, and that is Jesus Christ? Are we passionate about God? Are we passionate about Christ? Last week I said that we should be so passionate, that we should be so zealous, right? That our kids see it and that we, we dare our kids to keep up with us. We, when we, we're, as parents, we should have such a, a zeal for God, such a passion for God, that we dare our children, we dare our kids to keep up with us. And I got this from, from Jimmy Allen, who sits usually right up here. And uh, he wrote this. He Facebooked me last Sunday night and said this. By the way, this morning while you were speaking, I whispered to Faye, I dare you to keep up with me. She looked at me with a serious grin and whispered, dare accepted. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's zeal. That is zeal. We need to have, well, we, we have it for our sports. We, we have it for our hobbies. We, we have it for many other things. But our children need to see the people around us, not just our kids. They need to see that kind of zeal in our lives for Jesus Christ. So last week we talked about that. I asked the question, if you're not zealous, if you're not passionate, how can you recapture that zeal? So I asked the question, and then I said, and I'll tell you that next week, and then you moaned, right? And that brings up to speed. That's where we left off. You're moaning, and so now you're up to speed on what we talked about a little bit last week. And now I want to do this morning, what I want to do for you this morning is I want to give you six ways to recapture the fire, the zeal, the passion for Jesus Christ. That fire, that zeal, that passion for Christ. Six ways. Number one, number one, first thing you need to do is be filled with the Spirit of God. You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Zeal comes from within. 
It comes from, it comes from the, 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 the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's where it comes from. It's, this, it's internal. It's not external. It's intrinsic. It moves from within. See, what we're talking about here, here is, keeping, is keeping our constant, keeping ourselves constantly filled with the Spirit. And you say, well, how do I do that? You do that by yielding moment to, by moment. Moment by moment. Yielding. To the leading of the Spirit of God in your life. So not just, you know, it's not just a one time. It's, it, you, you have the Holy Spirit living in you when you come to know Christ. And then you yield to that Spirit moment by moment. You allow Him to lead in your life. Paul challenges us in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I know some of you at this point, even now, are going, blah, 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 be filled with the Spirit. You know why? Because you've been coming to church for a very long time, and, and I, I probably lost some of you, uh, even in, or this early in the sermon, because you're thinking to yourself, that just sounds like Christian jargon. Okay, yeah, be filled with the Spirit, uh, pray, uh, read your Bible, right? So, so some of you even started fading early on. Come on back. All right. Come on back. And this is, this is really, really important stuff. I want you to listen for a moment. I want to see, I want to see if I can recapture, if you will, I want to recapture your attention because those who, those people who have a zeal for God, those people who have a a passion for Jesus Christ, they are filled with the spirit of God and they allow the spirit of God to work in their lives moment by moment. They're always asking that question. What would Jesus do? Spirit, help me live this out in my own life. And what I want to do for just a minute here, a couple of minutes, I want to share with you some people in the Bible who were filled with the Spirit of God. I want to share, your, their, share a little bit of their story. People who the Bible says were filled with the Spirit. When the Spirit of God comes upon someone in the Word of God, miraculous things happen. Incredible things happen. When someone is filled with the Spirit of God, even if it doesn't use that phrase exactly, but when someone is filled with the Spirit of God, amazing things happen in that person's life. One of the things that happens, they overcome their enemies. They overcome, they overcome their enemies. In Judges chapter 3 and verse 10, the Spirit of God came upon Othniel. And, he, and it says that he defeated the king of Mesopotamia. Othniel is the, the younger son of, of Caleb. So we have that. Here he is. He goes against his enemies, filled with the Spirit of God, and he's able to overcome his enemy. Another one is Judges chapter 14 and verse 6. The Spirit of God came upon Samson. I want to read this to you. I want to specifically read it to you. And we'll have verse uh, 6 up there. Maybe not verse 5, but I want to start at verse 5. So to lay this out. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and his mother. As they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly, listen to the word, suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Come on with that. Okay, a young lion comes roaring toward him, and he tears that lion apart. It says, the Spirit of God came upon him, 
And he was able to tear that lion apart. In First Chronicles chapter 11 and verses 22 and 23, I read the first part of this last week to you. I want to read the whole thing to you. It tells us Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion, another lion death there. And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall, seven and a half feet tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. I cannot help but relate those passages, some of those passages, to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8, where it talks about how Satan is like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And you think about that, a roaring lion. Satan's like a roaring lion. He's looking to devour, especially the people of God. But then you have to ask yourself, what happens when a roaring lion comes up against someone who's filled with the spirit of the living God? It gets torn apart. Even in the worst circumstances, when he has to jump down into a snowy pit, even in the worst circumstances, the lion comes out on the wrong end of the stick, if you will. You know why? Because you, you read this, you think about this passage all the time. You read it, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We throw that passage around. That's what it's talking about. Greater is he that is in me. When a roaring lion, when Satan, when the enemy comes up against the person who's filled with the spirit of the living God, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's what we're talking about there. When you're filled with the spirit of the living God, it allows you to overcome your enemies physically and spiritually. That's important. Physically and spiritually. God will help us overcome. Nothing can stand in the presence of God. If someone is filled with the spirit of the living God, nothing can stand in that person's way. I've said this to you before. I'm going to say it again. When a person has the full armor of God on, where is the only place they're vulnerable? In the back. That's the only place they're vulnerable. When you have the spirit of the living God in you and you put on the full armor of God, the only place a Christian is vulnerable against the enemy is in the back. So if you don't turn your back and run, if you're not going the wrong direction, guess who wins the battle? We do. We do. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That is so important for us to understand because I can get up here and I can talk about this, but the reality is we live in a fallen world and this world, this life is difficult. Relationships are difficult. Being a parent is difficult. You know, work is difficult. All these things are difficult. Life is challenging. Life is a challenge. And we need to know at the end, we need to know who wins. We do. And all along the way in this war that we're in, we're in a spiritual war. We're going to fight battles. Sometimes you're going to feel overwhelmed. But you have to remember, it's not you fighting the battle. You need to draw on the spirit of the living God, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when you fight these battles. That's all cool, right? But I'm going to share something else with you. Really, so write this down. This is a great verse. 1 Samuel 10.6. This is really great. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. I love that. And you shall prophesy with them and shall be turned into another man. You shall be turned into another person. Come on with that. Someone say amen to that. You have to say amen to that. 
Yeah, because here it is. So the spirit of the Lord came upon, comes upon you. Yes, Christ has come into your life, right? The spirit of the Lord comes upon you and turns you into another person. See, when the spirit of the Lord takes over a person, take, make this practical. We've got to make it practical. When a spirit of the Lord comes over a person, they are no longer controlled by the things of this world. They are no longer controlled by the things that once controlled them. I don't care what it is, addictions or fear, whatever it is. You have the power to overcome those things. You have the power living you. The power of the Holy Spirit consumes us so that the life that we once lived or that was inflicted upon us can be gone. I'm not saying you're going to lose your memory and all these things. I'm saying that when you have the Spirit of God in you, you can move beyond. You can live a life of, of, of health. You can live a life where God is glorified through you because you have the Spirit of God living in you. You have the spirit of God living in you. I want you, I want you to just say, I want you to say this out loud. I am another person. Say it, say it like you really mean it. I am another, wait, wait, I will say one, two, three, because that way you can all know at the same time. Ready? One, two, three. I am another person. The old is gone. The new has come. That's what the Bible tells me. The old is gone. The new has come. My life is a living testimony. Here's who I was then. And here's who I am now. And not just 40 or 30 years later. I'm talking about the moment I raised my head from my prayer. Became a different person. And he's been building and building and building in my life ever since. When you first get saved, the Holy Spirit gets in there. And it's like, it's, it's really difficult sometimes emotionally. Because he's like, he's down in there throwing things out your ear. You know what I mean? getting rid of some stuff cleaning house sometimes we allow things to come back in but he's constantly cleaning house that's what the holy spirit does to our lives that's what it means to have zeal that's what it means to have zeal my thoughts my actions my goals my desires are changed i am changed the goals that I once had, they're different than they were before. I was only focused at work on this. All I wanted to do was advance and make money. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came in my life, and I started to learn and started to realize, wait, the people around me at work are more important than how much money I make. Me investing in their lives, me glorifying God in my job is more important than how much money I make. You make a lot of money, fantastic. But more important than that is how do you interact with, how do you glorify God when you are at work? You see, what happens is you begin to have a faith that wants to move. That wants to move. We're talking this whole series is called Move. Moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. Move. And you get that faith and you have a passion and you have a faith to move. To move mountains. To move the giants that are in your life. To move fear, to move addictions, to move anything that is standing in your way of accomplishing what God has purposed for you to do, what God has designed for you to do. Your faith wants to move. And if that means moving things out of the way, if it means the faith to move a mountain, if it means the faith to confront the giants that are standing in your life. I, I, I was, I was uh, writing on Facebook this week, and I, I wrote down that, you know, for every Goliath, there's a stone, right? For every Goliath in your life, for every, for every giant in your life, there's a stone with that giant's name written on it. You've got you to go pick up the stone and throw it. And that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. We need to pick up the stones and fight those giants and fight those things in our lives that keep us from becoming the person that we were created to be. And that takes movement, 
See, the roaring lion wants to destroy you and keep you in the past. Keep you in the past thinking about the things, things you can't do, things you once were. I don't care what I couldn't do before. I don't care what once was. I know what is now. And what is now is I'm a person filled with the spirit of the living God. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ lives in me. The spirit of God flows through my veins. So don't let Satan remind you of what you once were or what you're not capable of doing. You know, there are a whole bunch of things I'm not capable of doing very well. I just find one of you to do it. That's what the body of Christ is all about. That's what the body of Jesus Christ is all about. That's number one. Number two, if we want to recapture our zeal for Christ, we need to ask God to reignite the fire. We need to ask him. We need to come before God and ask him to reignite that fire. Spend time with him. Keep on asking him. In 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says, pray without ceasing. Ceasing. In Colossians 4, 2, it says, devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. Devote yourselves to prayer. In James chapter 5, in the second part of verse 16, it says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Go to the source of your power and boldly ask him to reignite the fire in your life, to give you that zeal again. Spend time with him. Spend time in prayer. Number three, we need to surround ourselves with zealous people. If we want to recapture the zeal, you have to surround yourself with zealous people. It's so important. The, the, the people that you surround yourself with will have influence over you. You think, well, I'm a person. Ah, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I'm strong-willed. I, uh, I go my own. The people that you surround yourself with will have influence over you. That's just the way it is. You cannot surround yourself with people who make really poor choices, really poor decisions, and then think throughout your life, you're going to make really great decisions. It's not gonna, it doesn't go that way. I have a video, I, I have a video of a commercial that I, I think is so funny and so true that I want to show you. Make sure this sounds up a little bit. Can you, can you, is there any way we can redo that and just get the sound up? Hold on. Can we, I want to start that over. See if that's possible. Just get. Well, I've seen it so many times, I can tell you what it says. She's like, she's like, let's go in the moving car. He's like, what are you crazy? Let's go hide behind the chainsaws. The first girl says, let's go hide in the attic or the closet. And they're like, no, hide the chainsaws. And, she, and one girl goes, that's smart. <laughs> that sounds smart. And then they run off and one yells, let's go hide in the graveyard. You can't, you can't be around people, okay, who make poor decisions and expect, okay, that you're going to make wise decisions. Right? Let's go in the... Hey, if you're going to be around people whose favorite, whose joy in life is to party, most likely that's where you're going to get drawn into. You have to be around people who have a desire, a zeal, a passion for God. When you're around people who have a zeal and a passion for God, that's going to happen in your life. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. That's the way it goes. Iron sharpens iron as one person sharpens another. We need that in our life. Last week we talked about this, this fire, getting that fire started in your heart. Fire seeks out, okay, other flammable objects. 
a fire will seek out something else that's flammable. If you put leaves on the ground and there's only grass around it, if you put leaves to start a fire, the fire is going to follow the leaves. It's going to follow other flammable objects. If you start a fire and you have, a, you have some grass or you, have, or you have some paper and you put some nice twigs on there, pretty decent twigs, and you get it pretty good, and you take one log and you put it on top of the fire, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is the fire is going to start. It'll start to catch that log and the log will look like it's burning. It's got a little fire going. But after a while, once the sticks start to burn out, the log doesn't, it just kind of starts to burn out and smolder itself, right? It doesn't usually catch on fire by itself. But what happens in that same exact fire if you take two logs in the bottom and you put two logs on top and another log on top of that and you have the same fire? The fire finds the other logs and it burns brighter. It burns hotter. That's what we need to do. We need each other. You need people around you to burn hotter and to burn brighter. That's why life groups are so important. That's why I want to encourage you to get involved in women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies. If you're a guy and you haven't heard this already, we meet a men's group at 7 o'clock on Wednesday mornings up in the church office. If you're a guy and you want to be a part, we go over, the, we go over like different things. We're going over the sermon right now. We go in, de- in more depth on the sermon each Wednesday morning. So if it's 7 o'clock, 7 a.m., you're out there by like 8 o'clock. If you, if you want to do that, that's great because, again, we catch each other on fire. One log, not very good. Two, better. Four, better. Eight, better. It burns hotter. It burns brighter. If you're around people in church who are critical, da-da-da, da-da-da, they're constantly critical, they're constantly... That's what happens. All of a sudden, you find yourself becoming more critical. You need to be around people with a zeal and a passion for God. We need to put people around us who challenge our faith, who drive us forward, who walk through the fire with us. That's the kind of people that we need to have in our lives. In God's epic story... As God tells our epic story, his epic story for our lives, we do not arrive at our destination alone. We arrive with those people who are willing to sacrifice to build the kingdom of God with us. We are not lone wolves here, okay? We are not lone rangers in the Christian, in the Christian world. We need people around us. We need those logs. Iron sharpens iron. We need the friction. Getting close. We need that friction so that we can build that fire and keep that fire going in our lives. It is extremely difficult extremely difficult to keep a passion, a zeal, a fire for God in your life if you're not surrounded with people who are like-minded. Number four, we need to read God's word, and then we need to mimic the zealots who came before us. We need to read the word of God. I know, and, and please, I mean this sincerely. You know, I read Bible, read your Bible, pray, you know, all that kind of thing. You, you cannot fulfill what God wants you to do with your life if you're not reading the word of God. You will get pulled along by every cultural thing, every new cultural thing that comes up. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm going to go along with that. That sounds okay. The only way you know what's right is by reading the word of God. That's what you judge everything else by. If you're not reading the word of God, you're not going to be zealous for God if you're not reading the word of God. Because what we need to do is we read the word of God Those characters in the Bible, those stories, those true stories in the word of God, they come alive in our lives when we need them. I've had the most bizarre experiences of my life. I really, I've had some of the most crazy stories that I could tell you that happened to me when I least expected it. And in those situations where I was not expecting it, 
And I had to react very quickly in certain situations. When I was reacting, those stories of the zeal and the passion of people like Esther, of, of, of Caleb and Joshua, those stories, they come back to you. They give you strength. They help you through those situations. So let me share, let me share one of them with you. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 8 through 12, this is what it says. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Joseph Basabeth, a Tekemenite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Now listen to these words. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Doadai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines gathered at Pastimim for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. Do you understand what the, I mean? I had to stop there for a moment. That's such passion and such zeal for God when you're fighting a battle. What happens is when you're working out really, really hard, or if you're doing a ropes course, or you're doing something where you have to grip something with your fist so hard and hold it for a long time, the muscles in your arm get so large and they get so tight that you can't get your fingers loose sometimes. I was on a ropes course. And I, was, I, I did not want to give up because all the students were yelling, you can make it, you can make it when I was a youth pastor. So I didn't give up. When I got to the end, the only way for me to loosen my hand from that rope was to take my chin and loosen my fingers this way. Pull them away from my hand because they were stuck. He had battled for so long and so hard. It says his hand was frozen to the sword. The Lord brought, brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar only to strip the dead, people with no fire and no passion. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. But, but, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck, down the, and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. Let me tell you something. Great leaders don't have to tell you what to do. They don't just tell you what to do. That's so, they don't tell you just what to do. They show you how it's done and then they dare you to follow. Great leaders just don't tell you what to do. They show you how it's done, and then they dare you to follow. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We need to read the word of God. We need to mimic the zealous who've come before us. They're, they're crying out from the word of God. They're, they're not just saying, he, they're saying, I dare you to follow me. I dare you. I'm going to show you how it's done. And then I dare you, all of us, to follow me. We need to understand that we need to move next to. Remember those verses that said next to him, next to him, next to him. We need to move next to people with passion or zeal and zeal in their lives. We need to believe that we can accomplish some mighty works for God if we work on it together. If we know the word of God, if we follow the word of God, if we're mimicking those who came before us. And if we're surrounding ourselves with people who know it as well and we're iron sharpens iron, we're pushing against each other. We can accomplish mighty things for God. God. Number five, we need to return to our first love. Have you lost your fire? 
Have you lost your zeal? Have you lost your passion? We need to return to our first love. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, Jesus is talking to the church at Ephesus. He's talking to them. And in verses 1 through 3, he's praising them. But then in verse 4, he says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You remember that passion. You remember that zeal. And you're still coming to church. You know what I mean? You're still, you even still witness to people and you give and you, would, you do those things. And Jesus talks about that. Hey, I'm praising you for those things. But he says this. He says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. It seems like the Ephesians had that fire in their heart. But then they just started going through the motions. And no one would really, sometimes you don't really notice because people are faithful. You know, they're still coming. They're still going to Bible study. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. You, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know there's a difference between showing up to something and having a passion and a zeal. And Jesus is saying, you have lost that zeal. You've lost that passion, that love you had for me at first. And then he tells him in verse 5, he says, consider how far you have fallen. Consider how far you have fallen. He says, repent and do the things you did at first. Consider how far you have fallen. This is what I love. I love. I love about being a Christian. Okay. Not being religious, not being guilted into things, not feeling, you know, not feeling shame all the time. But here's what I love about being a Christian. He says, repent. Okay. Repent. So stop doing what you're doing. You, you could be here. And you're starting. You're like on fire. This is great. Yeah. Burning bush. This is fantastic. Look at me. I'm on fire. And all of a sudden you slowly. Oh, and it could be years. You slowly walk away and you get and the fires going out and the fires going out and it's going out. And you get here at this point in your life. and You're like, what happened to my zeal? What happened to that passion? What happened to that fire I once had inside me? I used to teach Bible study. Not just go. I used to witness to my friends. I used to. And what happened to me? And you feel bad about it. And then you, you want to turn around now here's what and you so you think oh i'm gonna turn around i'm gonna walk all oh, it's gonna take me years to walk back that's not true you can walk so far and all of a sudden you repent you turn around jesus is right there he's like right in your face he didn't you walked away from him he didn't walk away from you so you could, i could take laps around this room as as a an example of how far i've walked away from god i'm walking away and I'm, oh man where's my zeal with my passion boom there he is right there all i need to do is repent and turn around doesn't take years take seconds it takes seconds. As human beings, you don't, that doesn't fathom. You can't fathom that. You think, well, if someone did that to me, I, they'd have to earn my trust back. They'd have to earn their, their... And I understand that. It's true. It's not human the way God works sometimes, right? Most of the time. But in God's economy, the way God works, if you repent, you turn, bam, he's right there. He's right there. He's not going to waste a couple of years for you to, and well, you know, keep working at it. Keep working. You'll get back to me if you just keep. That's not the way God works. You don't earn back his love. You turn and repent. Bam. There you are. Isn't someone say amen to that? Because that's awesome. That is awesome. I love that. I love that. He says, consider how far you're fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. We're going to do. They're going to take communion and you can do that. You can do that. You walked away from God this morning. You sit down with the Lord. You take communion. You repent. You ask God to forgive you. And then please do me a favor. Please do me a favor. Do not wallow in where you've been. And oh, man, and, and you say that. But if, and, and it's true for everybody else. It's not true for me. Stop it. Stop it. 
Okay, here's what you do. You start here. Lord, I repent. You keep, and you're walking. You get away. You, you start walking forward. Start walking forward. There's where you've been. Now you start walking this way. Now your feelings are still back here. Oh, you keep walking. Let your feelings catch up. You keep doing, you do what God's called you to do. You, you just do what God told you to do in the word of God because that's the truth. Your feelings are not the truth. What you, what God said is the truth. He's forgiven you. Move on. Move on with your life. Stop wallowing where you were and saying, well, he, did he really forgive me? If you, if you ask forgiveness and the next day you go to God and say, God, I'm really, I, I got to come back to you. I'm really sorry about blah. He didn't say, what are you talking about? Well, you know, all the things I did last year and this year and I was all, I was getting hiled. Well, what are you talking about? Now, God is God, but God chooses to forget as far as the east from the west, so far as our sins have been separated from us. He chooses to forget. Why are you bringing something up that's already been dealt with? Move on and let your feelings catch up to you. And we're going to get a chance to do that this morning. See, apathy is not a condition of the mind. It's a condition of the heart. It is a condition of the heart. We need to move. We need to regain our passion and zeal. We need to leave the mediocrity of the present and begin to live the life that God has called us to live. We've got to start acting our spiritual age. When you were younger, many of you had zeal and passion for God. And you lost it a little bit. Not completely. You just lost some of it. A little bit of it. Now, though, you're so much more knowledgeable about the word of God. Can you imagine if you put those two things together? The zeal that you once had, that Jesus said you once had, you've forgotten your first love. Can you imagine if you take the knowledge of the word that you have now and you mix it with the zeal that you once had? Oh my goodness. Leads to number six, the final one. If we're going to recapture our zeal, we need to stay focused to the very end. I want to close with this story. A master builder went to his boss and said, I'm too tired to build houses anymore. I've decided to retire. A few days later, the contractor met with Clyde, who was the master builder, and he said, please, would you reconsider and build one final house? I really need you to head up this project, please. After thinking about it, the carpenter agreed and began working on his last project. However, his heart wasn't in it. He had lost his passion. He had lost his zeal. And as a result, the workmanship was shoddy and the quality fell below his usual standards. The house barely passed inspection. On the last day of the project, the contractor gathers employees together at the job site and asks the carpenter and his wife to be present. The boss announced, as you know, this is Clyde's last day with us. He has been a faithful employee for, of our company for years, and we want to do something special to honor him. Clyde, this house is not going to be sold. We're going to give it to you and your wife as a gift for the years of service. This is your retirement home, one I know you will enjoy for years to come. My friends, we need to remember to keep moving. If you're breathing, if you're still breathing, you need to keep moving. We need to continually tell our story. Never stop telling your story. If you're breathing, you still have a story to tell. We need to have zeal until the very end. We need to stay focused until the very end. God has something amazing for us.
He has some amazing, he, when we leave this world, even in this world, God will do, he will bless you. And there'll be so many amazing opportunities for you in his kingdom. But when we leave this place, God has something more incredible for us. But we need to keep going until the very end. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, it reminds us all of this. Never be lacking in zeal. This is what it says. Never be lacking in zeal. Never, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. Keep it. Never and keep it. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Are you living with zeal? Or have you asked yourself, are you living with zeal or have you allowed that fire to go out? Have you allowed that fire to grow cold? As we take communion, that's the question I want you to ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself that question. Have I lost the fire? Have I lost the passion? Have I lost the zeal? And if the answer is slightly, completely, or whatever then you'll want, I want to ask you to go before the Lord as you take communion and allow him to reignite that fire. Ask him, ask him, ask him to reignite that fire in your heart. Ask him to surround you with people who are passionate and zealous for God. Ask him to remind you of those zealous who've come before us in the word of God. Ask him to help you in all these areas. Ask him. To relight the fire in your life. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. I want you to bow your heads with me. I'm going to read, and after I am finished reading, I'm going to pray. And once I pray for the cup, and once I pray for the bread, you don't have to wait for anybody else. When I'm finished praying, you can get up. You can walk to the back of the sanctuary. There's a table set up with some bread, and the cup is there. Take them both. You can come up front. You can kneel down and pray. You can sit back in your chair. Whatever you feel led of the spirit to do is fine. But I want you to ask him. I want him. I want you to ask him. Have I lost my zeal? Have I lost my passion for you? Because he says, do this in remembrance of me. We need to remember our first love. And if we come to the answer, yes, then ask him to help you relight that fire. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats of the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A person ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Father God, we thank you for your body, which was given for us, sacrificed for us on the cross, that we could be called your children. We could have a relationship with a living and awesome and powerful God. We pray, dear God, that you would help us, each one of us to offer up our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to you. May this be our spiritual act of worship this morning as we take communion. Thank you for your body. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for the cup that represents the blood of Christ, which was shed for us, that allows us to enter into the Holy of Holies, that allows us to enter into the very presence of God and 
ask whatever we want in your name. We thank you for your blood, your death and your resurrection and the power that comes from that. The spirit that indwells us because of your sacrifice. And Lord, we ask that before we take of the bread and the cup that we would make sure our hearts are right with you. Lord God, if if that fire has gone out, reignite it this morning. Do a miracle in our hearts and in our lives. Only you know the, the barriers we face. Only you know the past that we struggle with. Only you know the fear that grips us, Lord God. I pray that you'd break all those chains, break chains, break every chain, Lord. Set us free to live for you with our whole hearts, our whole lives. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, the privilege of just coming together and worshiping you. And pray, dear God, as we continue with this series next week, Lord God, I pray that you would just draw us into your presence. That you would help us to move forward in our faith. That we would light that fire, Lord God. It would burn bright for all to see. And that people would be drawn into a closer relationship with you. Thank you for your son. Thank you what he means to each one of us. And I pray to your God that you would change us today, this morning, that we would be changed and that we would be used according to your will. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a great, great week.